Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer in that I had never seen a single episode of Doctor Who until I started this podcast at the behest of so many of my nerdy friends that said, you are going to love this, and they were not wrong. And now I can't stop, and... I'm so sad because this is it. We're at the end of the Russell T. Davies first era, I guess, and uh, certainly at the end of the 10th Doctor, and what an emotional episode. That's right. This week, we're talking about The End of Time Part 2, and because it's such a special episode. I know if you listened to last week, you know that we invited John Sobel back, but we couldn't just let him have this all by himself because there's so much to cover that I had to bring in the tidbits herself, Ashley Martin. Welcome back to the show, both of you. Yay, thank you. Thank you so much. I have the biggest uh, uh Doctor Who brain trust I could possibly imagine, uh, you know, gathered. Uh, and dear listener, uh, neither John or Ashley had met before tonight. So this is the meeting of the two Doctor Who minds, the old, the new, <laughs> and oh, it's going to be exciting. So uh, before we uh, get into it, our usual disclaimer, if you have not seen the episode End of Time Part 2. Now is the time to pause the podcast, go see that episode, and come back because it's inevitable we are going to talk all about the plot and we are going to spoil, unfortunately, everything. And so let's let's not ruin that for you. Go watch the show and then come back. Even if you've seen it, even if you've seen it, go watch it again. It's such a good episode. It, it yeah. is. It absolutely is. Uh, and John, you mentioned uh, that there was something from last episode that kind of crosses over into this episode that you wanted to talk about last week and uh, we neglected to get to. So, Well, it was it was just that uh, John Sim, who plays the master yes. uh, at the very end where he becomes the entire human race and you see scenes um, where... Uh, he's at the uh, press conference in the Oval Office and he's all the reporters mm -hmm. or he's all of the people in the courtyard and in the apartment building. He did that himself. That wasn't computer generated. I mean, it's computer generated to put them all together. But he did. It was like two days worth of filming where he <laughs> changed clothes, <laughs> sat in a seat, did his stuff. Then went and changed clothes, sent a different seat, did the stuff, and he did it over and over and over again. And it's just a commitment to the part where even in 2010, they could have done it a lot better with computer. But he, but it's the practical effects, which makes Doctor Who so much fun that I want to make sure that give him the proper credit for it, because it's a lot of work to do that. Oh, yeah. It, oh, I think so fun with sure that. Oh, I'm sure he had fun with that because it, what they looked like, they were having a blast. Well, and that's one of the things that I notice. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it it is very much a Doctor Who thing where if it can be done practically, they try to do it practically. 
and so you could see that he was all these people. You could see that each one was a little different. So they weren't copies of each other, that they were just uh, being sort of pasted with a computer program. And I love that. So I love the idea that it took him several days just to record the different variations for those like, you know, clips that are mere seconds. Right. And it's just, you know, it just is the uh, Russell T Davies uh, wanting to make sure that everything looks great, especially this episode being that it's his swan song. At least we well, thought as, it was. Um, <laughs> well, it was that until he wanted to make recently. sure that everything looked great. Uh, and, you know, thanks to the wonderful tidbits by Ashley, we learned that, you know, on, this is only the third uh, high definition episode for Doctor oh, yeah. Who. So oh, yes. you can really tell they, you know, production value got turned up to 11 uh, for these last three episodes and definitely for these last two episodes. They, you know, they retained the charm of Doctor Who. Uh, and I love it because now with HD, you could see the greater detail of the, the cheesy scepter that, you know, one of the Time Lords is holding uh, <laughs> and how it's clearly made with like found items in a, in a workshop. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's great. It's part of the charm. Like I said, you know, I, I went into this entire... Uh, experience expecting some of those cheesy things, the 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 the, the tropes of sci-fi, as you will, and uh, you know, even in high definition, I've not been disappointed yet. And just wait till you see what's to come in high definition. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get there, let's jump in. Last week, we end on that cliffhanger of the entire world is now Time Lords, is populated by Time Lords, and somehow that gets the notice of the race of Time Lords that is back in Gallifrey, a planet that the Master has really introduced me to, because it seems like in the Master episodes, they really talk about what Gallifrey looked like, what it was like. And here we, you know, we get to see the council. It looks like, you know, a scene out of Star Wars with like thousands and thousands of balconies <laughs> overlooking, you know. And they're all jerks. Yeah, not quite what you expected, huh? Not at all. That I think out of everything that happened in this episode, that was the most unforeseen event uh i did not expect that i did not expect that the doctor would basically be like the good apple in a group of like just complete like power hungry warmongering jerks <laughs> and just remember that we're, we're seeing this through the doctor's eyes so of course he's going to be the best you know, yes, yes, but like but the, the idea, time, right? Like it, it, it's not just seeing it through his eyes. The idea that these guys are like, oh yeah, we will, we're willing to annihilate everything and the entire existence if it means saving our hides. Oh yeah, as opposed to the doctor who has to make that sacrifice of like destroying an entire planet and the Daleks along with it just to prevent 
the the basically the onslaught that would be uh, the the survival of the, the 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 time lords that I completely did not see that coming. I genuinely thought, oh, all the time lords are going to be you know, it, it it's kind of cliche to say, but I thought they were going to be like Jedi's, like these benevolent, just calm, peaceful, right. you know. Yeah. I, I I thought it was the opposite. I thought that the 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 master was the the exception to the rule. You know, the master was like the bad apple of all of them, and everybody else was like the doctor, very much you know peace loving, very much about controlling time, uh, and being sort of ultimately uh, like the the best version of the TVA. Uh, if you know, <laughs> if we're gonna mix all of the fandoms, you know, they're controlling the timeline in the best way possible. And yeah, then well, this is also. But that's also part of the problem of not seeing Doctor Who until the 2005 reboot, restart. I keep saying reboot. It's not a reboot. It's a restart of the uh, weekly show. Because uh, we've known, uh, the people who have watched the uh, original episodes, have been to Gallifrey and dealt with Time Lords and know that they're not necessarily the greatest of people. They're not horrible uh, at least they weren't until the time war, mm-hmm. but there was definitely, um, definitely not, uh, not nice people. That, uh, that was going to be a question I was going to ask. So I'm glad you, uh, <laughs> you were so forthright with that answer. Um, in that you're like, were they always this kind of jerky? Cause I could see in, and, there was a line that the doctor utters that uh, not excuses what happens, but he does say that uh, war changed them, that this you know ongoing war with the Daleks changed the Time Lords and ultimately led them to become these you know incredibly callous, uh, incredibly arrogant people. And I had always assumed, you know, every time it's been brought up until this point, I had always assumed that he was like the heroic soldier that saved everybody but couldn't save everybody at the same time. You know, he saved the universe at the sake of, you know, completely wiping out his own race kind of a thing. And now this kind of changes everything. You know, every time I've heard him talk about the Time Wards, now I'm like, why are you feeling like don't don't feel guilty, man? These these guys were jerks. These guys were well, even <laughs> says too, like that's how I choose to remember them or something like that. You yeah. know, it's rosier in his memory. But just you wait. I will say a big old spoilers. Okay, just just you wait. <laughs> just you wait. There's more to come. I'm assuming with the uh, with the time wars. No comment. No comment. Oh, All yes. Right. oh yes. I well no, I'll say yes. So so uh <laughs> last week we mentioned him a little bit because he was the sort of uh unseen until the middle of the episode and unexplained narrator, you know, Timothy Dalton. Uh but he turns out to be quite a you know, again. I, I I'm using jerk because I don't want to curse, but uh he's a you know, a hole. <laughs> He is not a nice guy. Yeah, he's a delightful little Time Lord leader, isn't he? Right. And, you know, the idea that it that he tortures 
and basically turns the master into the thing that he is just so that he can get a connection and get, you know, get himself, like save his own hide. Like what a, what a piece of work that guy is. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on. Sorry. Um, there's a lot going on that explains a lot of things that we've heard uh, about the master this uh, whole series um, and going back even, you know, to, uh, you know, two series ago. But at the same time, there's so much more that's going on that we just don't see yet and that we have to still see. Mm. Oh, okay. I just, it's, um, I've, I've mentioned this on, uh, on previous episodes of the podcast. The master really bothered me. The master really affected me. I did not expect him to be this incredible menace, this, you know, and, and it wasn't because of the, the physical threat and, you know, the, the death of all these people and all, all of the things that the master brings, it was the psychological havoc that he wreaks on mm-hmm. the doctor that I was just completely unprepared for in a way that I feel very few real villains have ever been able to achieve that level of just malice and evil that, isn't just, oh, you know, he's just a bad guy because he kills a lot of people. No, no, he's a bad guy because he manipulates and gets in your head and uses your better instincts and then just completely destroys you all for his own, you know, selfish needs. And he's no different in this episode. Uh, but the in this episode, we get a little bit of, I guess, redemption for him in that he was also a pawn. He was being used. And in that, it, 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 it just, it, it, it makes him a tragic bad guy, but he's still a bad guy nevertheless. Even, even given an opportunity, he is still selfishly, you know, telling the doctor to do something that will benefit him most. And John Sim just plays him so well. Oh my gosh. So yes. many layers. I mean, he is incredible at this role. Yeah. Well, cause under the hands of any other, uh, lazy actor, let's just say he would just be the, you know, mustache twirling, yeah. cackling, you know, always, uh, just being sleazy and dirty. But there, there are moments where you see his pain. There are moments mm-hmm. where you feel his struggle. And at no point do any of those moments sort of make you feel guilty for him, but it makes you understand his motives a little bit more. And that's a tough road to, to walk on because, you know, he still has to be a bad guy. He will continue to be a bad guy. But... I, I, you know, after watching this episode, I, I watched it twice on the behest of uh, John, who said, you're going to want to watch this more than once. There's so much going on. After the first viewing, I felt like we got a little bit of exposition for the master that kind of tries to excuse away the malice, kind of like the Joker movie does. 
you know, Joker movie sets up this deeply flawed individual that through circumstances beyond his own, uh, he gets turned into the Joker. And I thought, oh, man, that's such a cop out. But to Ashley's point, after watching it the second time, that's not the way John Sims is playing him at all. He's not playing him to have a redeeming quality. He's playing him as the guy that is always looking for that angle that is going to benefit him. And that's the guy that he's been ever since he got unlocked from that fob watch. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I <laughs> yeah. love watching him act. There's so much behind the eyes. Yes. Going on. Well, and especially in these last couple of episodes, there's a lot of that from David Tennant as well. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit last week. David didn't have a whole lot to do. And, you know, for the the third or fourth time only in the entire series, the doctor was once again on his back foot. He was not on top of it. He was not in control. He was sort of allowing himself to be led, which seems to be what happens whenever the master is around. And you could see that in his eyes. You could see the concern. You can see the dread. You can see that that haunting knowledge that he will perish, that he knows this prophecy isn't just something that, you know, somebody said and it could be rewritten. He knows it's going to happen. He just doesn't know exactly how, um, which, you know, it has a wonderful payoff in this episode because once again, you know, it talks about the drumming, it talks about the knocking and you thought, okay, it's clearly, it's going to be the master. Uh, yeah. everything led to, it's going to be the master. Um, well, even when he uses the steel pipe on the on the steel on the drum in the uh, wastelands mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, it's a four beat, you know, yep. that he's that he's hitting. Uh, and that's knocking four times as far as your average viewer is going to. Yeah. Assume. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Russell T. Davies, like always, has that sort of finger going, uh, 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 <laughs> that's nope. I you I I gave you the clue, but you guys uh, are are being a little too literal, and that's what I <laughs> thought was going to happen too. Uh, so before we get to that resolution, so I I correct me if I'm wrong. The the time lords that are time locked because of the whatever the, the whatever the the master does on earth sends and ricochets through time and space and so they become aware of it even though it's outside of their time lock and because they become aware of it it basically changes the course of what they end up doing is that correct how does the time lock work like he the doctor kind of mentions it briefly that it's like a bubble but it's not a bubble uh, John, do you have like a better description? It's the, the, the hardest part is, of this is that um, the, again, I love the idea of it's a bubble idea that it's just a big, you know, everything inside the bubble, nothing can come through. When the master created the master race, 
that four beats that was his in his head is now in six billion plus clones of himself, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, that is now too much for the uh, bubble to take, uh, for the time lock to take. And so it's being sent through into the time lock and it's being, it's something new that the time Lords are now aware of that they're able. And so the moment they become aware of, they start interacting with it. So they're able to send a crystal, a a diamond in this case through the bubble. It's like a signal beacon and they can just, that turns into a link and the link becomes a pathway and they're able to just trace it from there and it connects them somehow. (laughs) Right. And, and I mean, all of that sort of makes sense in a deeply nerdy way in my brain, because to get anywhere, you need a straight line. But you can't draw a straight line unless you have three points. Because you know, little timey wimey wibbly wobbly line, right? And so the the one point is the time lords inside the bubble. The second point is the master in, outside the bubble, and that third, you know, it, it, if you need coordinates, as it were, that third point is the the diamond that is sent across and picked up and now directly leads back to the master. And so in a, you know, in, in a very weird mathematical way, you get that straight line. So now they can travel through time and space, you know, this is the race that uses TARDISes and, you know, time and, and relative space. Uh, What's the full acronym? Time and relative dimension in space. There you go. So that's, you know, in essence, that's exactly what happens is the the master creates a, a loud enough beacon to arc back into that sphere. In that sphere, they hear it. They need to connect. So they, they're the ones that create the beacon in the first place to send it reverberating throughout time. And now to connect the, those two points boom, here's that third thing, that third dot, and now they have a direct line. So I guess that makes sense to me. So there, there is some illusions, and I will, uh, I, I have some theories, um, but last week we talked about the, the woman in white that kept talking to Wilford, and she talked to him even in this episode and encouraged him to give the gun to the doctor, which he begrudgingly takes and this is uh one of i think the 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 third time in this new remount of the series for the doctor to ever have held the gun he holds a gun in the episode uh the doctor's daughter and then he gives it back to them he holds a gun in this episode and he briefly holds the the gun that captain jack has and the doctor dances Am I incorrect? Uh, or were there any other times where he's in possession of a weapon? I'm trying to think if he that. picked up a gun during um, during the first uh, Dalek episode. Dalek. I don't I remember know. him doing that. Because he was I, so was, freaked out. Right. I'm trying to remember if they, when they were finding all the different weapons, if he picked up one to, tr- to think about using it. 
and I don't remember because it's been, you know. Yeah, I haven't watched that one in a while. Yeah, uh, you're right. So that might be the fourth time, but he's only held the weapon a handful of times in four series. And I don't know, you know, in the in the series before this, uh, if he ever did that as well. But it's a big deal. And it clearly is a big deal. Like Wilford and him have an entire scene and Wilford so masterfully uh you know, using all of the sentiments uh, that are shared in that scene, Wilford basically just says, you have to, this is, you know, you need to do this. This is, this is bigger than, than you. So take it. But he still didn't bigger t- than your principles. <laughs> right. But he still didn't take it. Even if he wouldn't take it until something else had happened. Yeah. And then he grabbed so they it. Said it had nothing the to do with. Lords are returning. Right. Oh, right. When the Templars are returning, but they, yeah, he would not take it, no matter how much Wilford. Put yeah, he's, he kept saying, "I can, I can, I can," until right. he realized, okay, this is the only way. So the woman in white, uh, who we <laughs> also see in the in, with the you know messed up. Uh, the, there's a moment where you know uh, Timothy Dalton, Time Lord is like, um, everybody's voted. We all agreed. We're going to do this except for these two infidels. And they show these two people (laughs) who have basically are sitting there on their knees with their face covered. And Mm -hmm. ultimately we see her. She does reveal her face. Go back, go back, go back. Yes. Yes. Two, two infidels. Two infidels. But what did he, but what what did he call them? They had to, they had to hide their faces like, I, I miss. Oh, you watched, this is a big you watched one it twice. Here. I watched you it watched twice. You watched it twice and you missed this? I, I was paying attention to, I was trying to figure out who they were. I guess I missed the, what, what did they say? What he called they were, them. What did he call them? Go who else them. covers their faces? Nuns? No. That we've You've seen, seen in Doctor Who. In Doctor Who. Oh, he does say the Weeping Angels. Yes. Uh-huh. He, he, he even talks about them at one point. He says the Weeping Angels of old. And right. he says they will stand they have, as a monument to their shame. Like the Weeping Angels of old. So these are Weeping Angels? They will become Weeping Angels out of the time ball wibbly wobbly time <laughs> the timey wimey wibbly wobbly okay because i thought the the woman in white who the doctor ultimately sees briefly for a moment they have like an eye connection they share a moment and and wilford even mentions he's like hey and he says nothing was that a, was that the doctor's mom yeah that's who it's supposed to be there are different theories, though, but uh-huh. that's what Russell T. Davies has said. Okay. Right, exactly. Without without saying it, without being outright and saying, this is the doctor's mother. You yeah. pick that one up, and I'm very would, proud of you for well, that. Because yeah, that's, that's what I was like looking at and trying to figure out who they were and what was happening and why she was talking to Wilford. And then Wilford has this whole moment where the doctor says, I would have been honored to have been your son. I know. Right. And like, and you see Wilford have like a, a reaction to that. And so between that and then seeing them make 
eye con- a contact for that brief second. I was like, they've got to be related. That's got to be his mom. That's got to be. So I'm glad yeah. I picked that up. I, I missed the I missed the reference to the Weeping Angels in regards to them. I heard the reference to the Weeping Angels when he did say that and had that moment of like, oh, yes. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of those moments in this episode because so much does happen. Um, but ultimately, the master does the th- the thing he does the best, which is he, you know, um, I hate to use common uh, or current timeline examples, but he feels like a GOP politician where he's like, Yes, Time Lords, I'm here with you. And then as soon as it's convenient, <laughs> no, I was going to screw them over all along. I'm here with you. And then you know, and the doctor keeps switching back and forth. He's like, maybe I'll shoot him. Maybe I'll shoot them. Maybe I'll shoot everybody. <laughs> uh, you know, it just the like. One little thing, the one little thing when he does the with the gun I really enjoyed is the fact that David Tennant just kept switching hands. Yeah. <laughs> When he was, he didn't because he didn't want to cross his body when he was facing the facing the master. So he mm-hmm. actually switched hands. So there was he was firing with his left hand when he was facing the master and using his right hand when he was facing the 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 rest of the returning time lords. It, it was a very theatrical thing to notice, uh, and I picked up on that also because he was never turning his back on anybody. He he was right. always mm-hmm. just turning one side to the other. Um, I also loved how every time he moved, they made the sound with the gun as if he was recocking it. And it's, it's a revolver. It only needs to be cocked once. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm pretty sure he's not like uncocking it every time he moves it and then recocking it. Uh, But I love how, you know, there was always that, that gunplay noise that they made. You're like, okay, guys, a little too far. (laughs) The Foley artist got very excited on that one. (laughs) I mean, after an episode, like the, the one with the waterfalls with the, uh, the gem waterfalls, Mm. I forgot. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the episode now. Um, but you know, where, where the guy, where the, the bean mimics him and ultimately ends up getting ahead of him. Midnight. Midnight. Yes. You know, after that episode where the folly, fully artist, like really had a great time playing, (laughs) I'm sure they're a little too excited. They're like, we'll make some extra sounds for this. Um, Be more dramatic. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, this is a, this is a, a, another, you know, and it, 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 it's a sci-fi series. So feel free to just tell me I'm overthinking it. But he is diving down on a spaceship. He pulls up so that the spaceship does not crash into this building, but then basically skydives out of the spaceship through a glass <laughs> ceiling and lands on the floor and yet just basically manages to scratch himself up a little bit. He's just faithful, but he's fine. Right. So like is are our time lords a little more invulnerable than we've been led to believe up until now? It's just a TV show. You should really just relax. Okay. <laughs> I mean, for because for like a second, I'm like that. That's some that's some superpower right there. Like just a free fall, right? Yeah. 
Like even well, if there was go, like a cushion on, of air, yeah. you know, like, let's go. Let's go back to the. Let's steal directly from Star Wars before that, uh, with the two gunners. Oh yes. my gosh! That was yes. a total new hope scene. That not, not only was it a new hope scene, but like how yeah. excited Wilf is to get back into that thing. Yeah. And and how useless the cactus guy was, as uh, oh, yeah. Will calls him. <laughs> the cacti, hey, that's racist. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yes, I I thought that was so uh, so much fun, uh, and Wilf is just so excited. Uh, I almost wanted him to yell at the cacti. He's like, "Great kid, don't get cocky." Yeah. <laughs> Where was Harrison Ford? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, there's so many fandoms that this episode reminded me of. Um, and ultimately I, I loved how, you know, it, it all comes down to the doctor making the right choice again. Uh, and he, he doesn't harm anybody, but he does stop everybody. He, he finds a third way. It's not about shooting and killing Timothy Dalton. Or what was the name of the, his character? Oh, the Lord President. Lord President. Res, Lord President Resalon. Resalon. There Resilion. we go. Resil. <laughs> so, you know, he could have shot Lord President. He doesn't. He could have shot the Master. He doesn't. Instead, he shoots the little box. <laughs> the little, you know, machine that I guess they were using to create that bridge. Um, and I mean, talk about like a cool moment, uh, and a cool utilization of technology and HD, uh, as we see Gallifrey, like all of a sudden park itself next to earth and then slowly move in to like inch earth out of the way. Yeah. This is my spot move. <laughs> uh, you, we see all these scenes of panic on earth, but we don't see anything from Gallifrey. Like there's gotta be people that are not part of that council that are sitting on Gallifrey going, what the heck is happening? <laughs> they're in the middle of the time where they're not really paying attention. They're like, yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, were, were they all in like bunkers? Like they were in, uh, uh, the doctor dances, you know, in uh, in the middle of the <laughs> air raids, they're all in their little space shelters. It's also very stolen Earth, you know, when you saw the planets yeah. in the sky. I was like, oh, that little throwback from a couple of episodes ago. Right. Well, I mean, which also had to do with the with the Daleks. So, uh, you know, it, it was kind of cool. It was not new technology, but it was definitely this new idea that here's <laughs> this planet that's just going to basically just bump Earth out of the way. Like, we're <laughs> It, it was going to just manifest itself on top of it and be like, all right, peace. Uh, not even like destruct to earth, just like completely usurp it. Yeah, that's right, the spot which... they wanted to be. Get out of the way, Earth. <laughs> right. Oh, look, we found a great parking spot. Do the Boston, Boston bump. <laughs> bump the car out of the way. And you're like, and now we have this great space. Look, there's a sun. It's you know it's an orange sun. What kind of sun would uh, Gallifrey have? Oh, oh don't they talk about it in series three when he's describing it to Martha? 
Because he's talking about the skies being burnt orange and... Yeah, I don't know that they describe the, the color of the sun, and, yeah, right? The red grass and the orange trees and like everything seems to be a shade of red in some way, shape or mm. form. Everything is orange or red or uh, mauve. I think they describe the, the sky as being yeah. some sort of mauve color. But, uh, oh, did I did I stump John on the color of the sun for Gallifrey? You stumped me. You stumped uh, me. There I'm, may I'm be some Googling, right some frantic Googling <laughs> right now, trying to figure out. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, it is it is a very threatening uh, moment, uh, you know, for for Earth as a as a whole. And for the doctor to once again figure out a way, a solution out of this that does not involve violence, that does not involve any more carnage than what he's already exposed Gallifrey to. Because ultimately, you know, if he sends Gallifrey back, they're back in that time-locked period where they will be destroyed along with the Daleks. Um, so, you know, it's not like he destroys them all over again before they get destroyed. He just sends them back to fulfill that moment in time and he does not attack the master. Mm -hmm. So what happens to the master? That's a really good question. Of course. I'm going to get one of these, aren't I? Spoilers. I, I thought that was obvious. I, uh, well, I thought there would be like some sort of resolution. This is Russell T. Davies' last show. Well, I mean, it, it appears that he goes with the Time Lords, right? Uh, yes. Okay. He was I'm still just, in a weird state anything. of flux. So Exactly. You're going to have to wait a little while to get your answers. Oh, balderdash. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so we get that we get that conclusion, uh, and all seems well. And here's where we revisit our earlier conversation. The doctor seems to be happy. He's like, "I'm still alive." <laughs> and then there's this whole, you know, yep. The there's the four knocks. There's <gasps> Wilf, you know, who selflessly went in there to let out the other guy. Is like, hey, doctor, and knocks four times. Four times. And the doctor and has. I told you it was not going to be who you were expecting. I. That has to do with the demise of the, of the 10th doctor. Oh my gosh. I. Because that moment happens, and you're like, okay, what? I guess the master's going to come back in some way, shape, or form. And then mm -hmm. that happened, and you see the realization in the doctor's face. And not and only that, but it keeps happening. Anything. But it keeps happening at four beats. Oh every yeah, time he keeps he knocking mm -hmm. four times. Yeah, and it's just, and he has that moment where he's like, "It's not fair," and why, and that oh, but then the ultimate, like he, he, he knows this is it. Like there's no escaping it, and he, he even says, you know, I'm glad it was you. Yeah. And if you didn't think that David Tennant was a good actor before now, I mean, that one little scene alone, he has all of the emotions in that when he's like, well, you know, why you? And then why me? And I could have done so much more. And he's so angry that he's spitting. 
And then immediately he just goes back into that emotional and, you know, kind and it's my honor. And, oh, well, and just, just the, that look him. that he gives Wilfred knowing that yeah. he can't, he can't. And, and Wilfred's like, I'm old. I, it, it's fine. You know, like Wilfred's almost like willing to say, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm all right. Uh, yeah. And the doctor even says, like, you're not even important. Yeah. Which, you know, it's like such a terrible thing to say to somebody. But you can understand, like, it, it, it's so frustrating to think that you have somehow been able to do all of this good. And in return, your reward is that you don't have to uh, go away. And instead, it's, you know, this reminder that, nope, you haven't cheated death. You've just, right. you know, you, you've just come to it the way you were supposed to, the way you were going to, the way it was always and, going to be. And not only does he say, doesn't say he's not important. He said not remotely important, mm -hmm. which is like so horrible to say. It's like, you're not even kind of important. You're just completely. Which, which is, I mean, clearly he's being mean because that's not true because if Donna is the yeah. most important, even if it's for only a moment, if she's the most important woman in the universe without her grandfather, she wouldn't have been born. Of course. So he, yeah. he is of import. Uh, so it's clearly just the doctor expressing frustration and lashing out. Having the, the selfish moment. Right, right. You know, having that moment of like, ah, I hate this. I know this has got to happen. Uh, but why you and not me? You know, because uh, talking about how uh, I, I can be so remarkable and I can do so many remarkable things. Why you? And ultimately, it's because he can continue to be remarkable. It's just not in the way he wants. And how different, too, like from the ninth doctor's regeneration when he was so casual about it. He's like, oh, yeah, it's a bit dodgy, this process, you know, mm -hmm. just going to regenerate. But David Tennant's doctor does not want to regenerate. He loves this incarnation. So uh, and it was it was clear during during the season finale when he, you know, used a regeneration just to heal himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I need to change. Look at me. I, I was going <laughs> to ask, has any other doctor ever fought regeneration as hard as the 10th? John. Before this, you you really didn't see it as much because they didn't really allow the actors to uh, really get into the the character like they did. Like they allowed David Tennant, other than uh, the fourth Doctor. But even so, when he was ready, he did it for eleven years. When he was ready to leave, he was ready to leave. Mm. Um, so you really How didn't see one? the. John, who was the one that when when he regenerated, he was very bitter and they ended up using the future actor like in his costume and wig and makeup? I can't remember who that was. Oh, um, maybe in, like the sixth doctor or maybe sixth or seventh. It was. Yeah, it was the seventh doctor. That's why it ended. So it ended really so quickly. Oddly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After that. And that's why they had the eighth. And then he agreed to come back for the movie. But it was the seventh. It was the seventh doctor. Um, it was just, he was a very, he started out very better. He came, he came around, but I mean, the actor, the actor was really good, but 
he came around. Of course, I'm not going to know that for right now. <laughs> As he looks through all his notes, we've no, uh, we've notes. now thrown him <laughs> twice. We've asked about the color of the sun in Gallifrey, and now the seventh Doctor. Uh, so this is <laughs> this is the kind of episode this is. To everybody, we're throwing John for a loop. Um, but like yeah, it. he. He was <laughs> just like David Tennant. He didn't want to uh, regenerate. You you don't like getting stumped, but no. it's okay. The next time you appear on the podcast, I'm sure you I will have, have the answers, and we'll have a little we'll have a little asterisk. Uh, we'll refer everybody to that. So any of these questions that we ask that John has not been able to answer, they will be answered in the next episode that John appears on. Um, but. He, you know, he definitely, so he has that moment. Uh, and of course, I thought he was just going to regenerate right there and then, because that's what happened to the ninth doctor. He, you know, mortal peril. He immediately, you know, saved the world and then regenerated. And almost as if they just wanted to drag this out for the emotional impact, which boy, does it have emotional impact. The doctor decides to go on this like goodwill tour, his last little hurrah. He gets his reward. I which he kinda does. And there there are a couple of moments. There was oh, a wait, moment. Wait, no, but hold on. Before we get there, just okay, when he finally okay. comes he comes back. Um, because you see when all this is happening, Donna's mother is like, Doctor, please help us. And then Everything is back and they bring the TARDIS back to bring Wilf back. And he opens the door and she comes out and she's smiling. And the <laughs> oh doctor makes, like, yeah. makes a comment. <laughs> she's she's smiling. That can't be good. That I no, love that. Wasn't bad enough. Because she, she had like a full on smile. That was like creepy. full on smile, uh, which was great. Like that, that I love that for her that she got that, you know, character beaten moment. Um, but yeah, he goes on this goodwill tour and the first thing that, uh, and I know Ashley is going to know one of the moments that made me just completely thrilled and, uh, yelp like a little girl was, you know, we see Martha running down, looking like the most badass version of herself with a gun and they're running away from the potato people. What are they called? The Suntarans. The Suntarans. And she runs into Mickey. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're fighting together. How cool is that? And mm-hmm. then <laughs> when did Mickey become a doctor? Because she insinuated that she was married to a doctor that was always away. Or did she get a divorce and remarry Mickey? No, they never got married. She was engaged. The last time we saw her. Oh, that's right. So she was engaged to somebody, did not get married, and then yeah. hooked up with Mickey. Well, you yeah, see at the very end of that episode, yeah. it was uh, Martha and and uh, Jack were walking off together. And then Mickey said, I'm staying yeah. on this planet now mm-hmm. and and joined the joined the two of them and, and walked off together. Mm. And I mean, this is a TARDIS tidbit, but let's talk about it now. So, do you remember the name of Martha's first episode in series three? Uh, hold on. Her the first episode is Martha. Yeah, yes. what the name of that episode was? Oh, it was the the one with the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. 
I can't remember right now. I'd be cheating if I looked at my notes. Okay, so what's Martha's last name? Uh, Smith. The two Smiths. No, Martha's no. last name is Jones. Oh, Jones. And Mickey's last name is Smith. Her first episode was called Smith and Jones. Oh, my God. Because because the doctor went as John Smith. John Smith. Smith and Jones. Oh, that's right. And now they're married. And now Smith and Jones are married. And it all comes back. There was this episode that we did with Ashley and Eric in which I kept insisting that because Mickey got stuck in the alternate universe with Rose <laughs> that they could end up happy. And there was a lot of laughter and coming and from. Like, no. <laughs> yes. You guys were adamant that I was wrong. How dare you wish that for these two characters? And no. now it all makes sense. Now, <laughs> and that's the, the all of that was happening through my head as Mickey and Rose, uh, Mickey and Martha have their moment. And Mickey's all looking, you know, scruff with the beard and everything. That was great. I loved that. I knew um, love that moment. But the uh, I think the moment that really like got me choked up was when he goes to visit this woman who is selling the book of her grandmother's history with this interesting man. Mm-hmm. And he walks up to her. And he asks her, and I'm uh, I'm watching this scene, and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't, what, what is this? What is happening here? I don't understand. It didn't immediately click. The actress didn't look exactly the same because you know she, time has passed. Modern clothes, you know, yeah. right? She's in modern clothes and modern hair and modern hair. So, and and then it clicks, and almost immediately my eyes welled up. Yeah, and then. This little exchange happens. Was she happy in the end? Yes, yes, she was. Were you? And I, I mean, literal tear rolling down my cheek. Because that... Yeah. Uh... There's been a lot of episodes that I've really enjoyed. There's been a lot of episodes that have really caught me unprepared and surprised me and have delighted me. That family of blood, that that series of two episodes yeah. has to be amongst one of my very favorites because of what it exposed about the doctor. And I loved that relationship, that pure relationship w- that he had with this woman and I was not expecting that to be one of the little loops that he was going to try to close. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting it. Uh, and I, it just thinking about it, I'm a little choked up now because it was just such a beautiful, simple way of ending it. And again, so completely unexpected. I absolutely it. was so loved wonderful. It. And so she's Joan Redfern's great-granddaughter. And her name is Verity Newman. Mm. And the name is a mix of two people from Doctor Who history. Sidney Newman was the creator of Mm. Doctor Who in 1963. And Verity Lambert was the original producer. Mm. So that's why she's named Verity Newman. Just lovely. It's such a, that moment alone was worth this episode. 
because it was, and that was so actually unexpected. the first scene filmed of the two-parter. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, it, it's a simple, basic scene, but the way he looks at her, the way he doesn't answer her question yeah. of were you, but the fact that, you know, we see, you know, he's, and he's doing this from afar. He doesn't get super close to Martha or Mickey and say, Hey guys, have a great one. Hugging him goodbye. Right. Uh, You know, he doesn't get like, he he doesn't walk up to to Captain Jack and, you know, pat him in the back. But he gets close to her. He gets close to and speaks to the granddaughter. And and it wasn't just that. It was the whole scene when he says, when, you know, because she's signing books, Mm -hmm. you know, she's written this book. She's just signing books. And, and he's and she says, "Who's this too?" And she starts signing. He says, "The doctor." You should. Oh, that's funny. That was the name that and, and like the dawning of. And right, and then she looks up and, re- and, and like has and that sees. moment. And oh, it was just it, it, it was it was it, like it was a bit of closure for that episode, the family of blood that I didn't know I needed. Exactly. Um, and I and appreciate that, and not only that, that, but it was just of when you started seeing these closure episodes, these closure parts mm-hmm. and the, and the first one makes sense. Mickey and Martha sure. makes sense. Um, uh, Sarah and Jane Smith makes sense. Yeah. And then this, it was like, what? Like it completely blew me away. You don't well, expect it. Every, everybody else we recognize. Cause we, uh, I, at least the kid, uh, Sarah Jane's, uh, adopted son we we saw briefly in the season finale in the stolen earth so we kind of like i i knew him uh i'm sure i get to know him more once i watch the sarah jane chronicles but i i recognize right and he mentions he that he got that his mom got mr smith who was the computer Mm -hmm. and that they had talked about as well to make you know put out a story about the planet in space being a Wi-Fi issue, and right, so, which right. is funny that he's saying it. But it's so there's enough information there to that, yeah to made, know where what it's coming from, who, who it was, is, where it was coming from, and the connection. Same thing with the Jack. Like you see him right away. Uh, I love how it feels like uh, a reference to the uh, Cantina scene because uh, we see yeah. uh, a. Uh, we see somebody of the same species as this Levine and the species the name. Rexacalifolpatorium. There you go. I got it this time. I got it this time. It's, like, it's, a, it's a joke here. Hold on. I got a joke here. What 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 happens when a Rexacalifolpatorium and adipose, a jadoon, uh, sycorax, and, uh, and three half appear in a space cantina? What happens? What? I don't know. That's the joke. It's oh. a, did you see all of these characters <laughs> in the, um, uh, but the, but the I, Jadun is, you know, doing his go, 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 go. Right. The, 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 the Jadun, exactly like, who it was. Everything was perfect, including the little adipose falling in front of uh, Jack. And right. then the, the bit in that scene that was unexpected was that Alonzo makes a return. Alonzo, Alonzi, (laughs) (laughs) and that uh, Captain Jack gets a note, and the note just says his name's Alonzo. 
It's like the doctor like wraps him up in a bow and turns him over. One last gift. Here you go. Right here you go, uh, Captain Jack. You will enjoy. What's the best thing I can give Captain Jack? (laughs) Exactly. Right. The gift of Alonzo. (laughs) Who doesn't love it? A good Alonzo. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, all of all of those made sense. Except for that signing. And that signing caught me so unprepared that I loved. Um, but of course, why don't we talk about TARDIS tidbits? Because there, there are two other moments that I want to talk about. But uh, let's uh, let's hear some uh, TARDIS tidbits. And uh, John, if you have any tidbits or anything that I missed. Uh, we'll let Ashley right. go and I'll jump in and, and if, I need to, if I need to adjust or add. Okay. <laughs> so the official TARDIS tidbits in, in live and in person. This is a lot of TARDIS tidbits, as it is a very big episode. So a couple things for you to remember, Daniel, and our other first-time viewers. Some things that were mentioned that you'll want to remember for future episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, The phrases, no more, Gallifrey Falls, and I don't want to go. Mm. (laughs) Um, At the very beginning of this episode, when the the Time Lords are around, kind of like their war council table... They mentioned that the doctor has the moment and he'll use it to destroy Daleks and Time Lords alike. So remember the moment. That's very important. Mm. Thank you. Because um, I was going to make sure that was said of you. Didn't <laughs> <say>. <laughs> okay. um, when Wilf and the doctor are talking uh, on the spaceship and Wilf mentions, you know, that his wife is buried down on Earth and he's wondering if. Uh, you know, the folks who have passed and are in their graves are going to turn into the master also. Um, The idea of the people in their graves being used for something, keep that in mind for the future. Thank you for that, too. Okay. Uh, And then our our lovely cactus friends, the Vinvachi, they are related to the red species that you've seen before, the Zachi, who was Bonacafalata mm-hmm. in the Titanic episode. So they are related species. When uh, Wilf is talking about uh, his war experiences, and he's talking about a blizzard of bullets, uh, Russell T. Davies based that on Bernard Kerbin's real-life war experience, except he wasn't in a blizzard of bullets, he was just in an actual blizzard. Mm. But it was still the same kind of story. Um. Like you were saying, the bar, yes, is based on Star Wars Mm -hmm. from the cantina. Um, And if you remember the TARDIS tidbits from uh, the end of Series 4, we were talking about uh, when the Doctor was supposed to enter the Shadow Proclamation for the first time. They wanted a scene where they had all the different alien species together, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't afford it. So he finally got it in. (laughs) So it's like a no to that. And uh, the, the bar is in a city named... Zagat Zagu on the planet of Zog. So that's where Captain Jack is hanging out. Mm. And after the, the fall Zog, of Torchwood. Torchwood, yeah. Um, and in that scene, the song that's playing in the background with Captain Jack, The Angel Put the Devil in Me, mm-hmm. was the one that the girl was singing in the series three episode, Dollars Take Manhattan. Mm. The showgirl, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the little hot <laughs> yeah. box girl. Like a little jazzy song they've got playing. Yep, yep. And at the end, during the regeneration, 
um, they the special effects destroyed the TARDIS set so badly that it had to be rebuilt <laughs> for for the beginning of the next one. And this isn't really a spoiler, but it is very sweet to know. Later in the Sarah Jane adventures, um, it's actually revealed that the Doctor didn't just visit the companions that he's known as the 10th Doctor, but he actually revisited all of his previous companions mm. from all of his regenerations. So it was a big reward mm-hmm. of seeing all of them. Um, once the Doctor says his final line, I don't want to go, uh, the script said, and there he is, blinking, dazed, the new man. And then Russell T. Davies sent the script over to Stephen Moffat, the new showrunner. And Stephen Moffat wrote all the first dialogue lines for the 11th Doctor. Oh, that's cool. That's so a literal passing of the baton. Um, and Russell T. Davies said that the 10th Doctor's last moments he had planned out from the moment he cast David Tennant as the doctor. Oh, wow. He really likes to plan things out, but that's good. You know, like you said, he plays the long game yeah. and he really makes it pay off. And then the final thing I had was, um, the Ood song that's playing as he regenerates. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not pronouncing this correctly because I don't speak Latin, but it's Vale Dasum Jason. That's what they're singing right as he's about to regenerate. And that translates to farewell 10. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That's amazing. Goodbye, my favorite doctor. <laughs> and, and when David uh, filmed the fourth, the I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I forgot the line. Yeah, it, it, it goes like they this. Filmed it. it goes like this. I don't want to go. Well, that was the third take that they took in it. Four, uh, they yeah. did it. They did it four times, each time getting a little more emotional. Um, and actually, the fourth one, he was actually crying, and they crying. felt they just felt wrong. Mm. Uh, but the first two were just not emotional enough, so they took that was the third take that they'd done of it, where they said, "Be a little more, be a little more, be a little, be a little mm-hmm. more each time." Um, oh, wow. So that's. Yeah, I've actually oh. seen there. You can find that. You can YouTube it's still, that. It's still impactful the when you hear take. him say, I don't want to go. Uh. Oh, yeah. But yes, you can definitely. But you can see you can see the different takes. I mean, there's a YouTube because it was a uh, special edition on the DVD thing. And of course, oh, yeah, those yeah. have all been uploaded to the you know, to YouTube. Um, OK. I don't have I have other things, but we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> well, so uh, let, let's talk because about the uh, the big giant. To stop about the very end. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the big giant elephant in the room. Um, the, I mean, talk about book ending it. Uh, yeah. You know, it starts almost in the same place that it began, or it ends in the same place that it started. With it, it's a short little scene, but it was fantastic to see. Uh, and I'm not going to play the whole little scene, but here's the exchange that, you know, completely broke me. You all right, mate? Yeah. Too much to drink? Something like that. Maybe it's time you went home. Yeah. Anyway, happy new year. And you. What year is this? Find me how much have you had? 
2005, January the 1st. 2005? Tell you what. I bet you're going to have a really great year. Yeah? See ya. See ya. Oh, man. Take my glasses off. (laughs) I know. That, I mean, that just completely broke me because it was everything that I've known so far, everything that has made me fall in love with this show was encapsulated in that moment Uh, because it starts with Rose and a different doctor. But the 10th In 2005. In 2005. But the 10th Doctor is really when Rose really hit her stride and everything that has made this show so interesting for me and so precious. And it was all right there. And that was, I knew that was the end. I knew that after that we would get. I don't want to go. And (laughs) it just, you know, it, it was a. It was a one-two punch that weakened me uh, between, you know, the the book signing scene and then that moment with Rose. Uh, and then that sucker, that last jab that completely sent me to the mat was the I don't want to go. And unlike the last regeneration where I found so jarring because it was such a stark contrast between Eccleson and Tennant and I I know Ashley and Jenny uh you know sort of made fun of how uh put out I was by how angular uh you know Tennant's face is compared to Eccleson and how much I had (laughs) fallen in love with Eccleson and how dare you Mr. David Tennant try to do this Mr. Tongue Guy from Harry Potter, who are you? Right. And to see those final moments happen. And then, again, I have not seen that many regenerations, but this this one seemed violent. This yeah. one seemed dangerous. You know, the last regeneration, he just did his little Michael Jackson O moment, and then he comes out of it a different person. And in here, the TARDIS is like in flames and falling apart and the TARDIS doesn't want to go either (laughs) right well but the TARDIS is not gonna go the TARDIS is gonna go on you know it's like the heart of the ocean at the end of Titanic uh and but the TARDIS can regenerate in the same way the doctor does so I think the TARDIS is is gonna be sad that it you know may not be the same Mm. and that is something that has been going on since the beginning with a new doctor you get something of a new interior interior well the TARDIS and I I know um Sarah Jane mentioned it oh you've uh you've redecorated you've redecorated (laughs) when (laughs) when she goes into the TARDIS so um I I knew Matt Smith was coming just like I knew that Tennant was coming uh and while Tennant was jarring Matt Smith was not. Really? Matt, it, 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 I, I was emotionally compromised <laughs> well, yeah. uh, as that scene was happening and the transformation was happening. 
I did not, I, I don't know Matt Smith a whole lot. I have not seen him in a lot of things other than the crown. Mm. Um, Which he's excellent on. And so I, whereas I've seen Tennant in other things, including Broadchurch and, you know, he was the, the bad guy in um, Jessica, uh, Jessica Jones. Jones uh, Good Omens. In Good Omens. So the I, I had... I had seen Tenet and other things, so they were not as difficult for me to sort of, you know, see him. And so there was a certain level of expectation there. I I didn't know what to expect with uh, with Smith, and uh, at least that little bit at the beginning, I kind of liked it. I kind of like I I was I felt reassured that I like. As difficult as this episode was, especially those last 10 minutes, uh, just one thing after the other making you just have all these emotions, I I loved that it left me in the same place that other Doctor Who endings have left me, which is wanting more. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that um, is jarring about the Christopher Eccleston regeneration is the fact that it's you, you don't get a lot of episodes. You have 12, 13 episodes and bam, yeah. it's he's he's gone. Where the David Tennant episodes, we've had three full series plus a couple of specials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so invested. Um, so you, so you have you, you've spent time with him. Almost like you you feel like, okay, we've spent time this is an actor. We know he's done other things. So we know it's time to move on where the Chris Ferguson, you still were getting to know him and you still wanted to know more about the, the, the character of the doctor in this um, way of doing things. So that's yeah, where it, it, it could it be felt a abrupt. little bit more jarring. It, it felt very abrupt. And I think you are right that that was part of my apprehension with tenant. Whereas by the time we get to this, like, We've seen the character growth. We've seen the doctor go from, you know, this this being that is somewhat aggressive. You know, he's got a fighting hand, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to this being that is very aware and that is carrying the weight of the loss of his civilization. And now the loss of, you know while he thought there was only there, there were no more time lords that he finds another time lord and then he turns out to be a royal jerk uh you know like there are there are scars that he has built and carried uh and it, i i know that he you know i know the the regeneration process basically means that he's died and he resurfaces like a phoenix and so it felt like it was that time. Like this character has seen so much and gone through so much that it, it is a well-deserved rest and it was a well-deserved way to go by saving, once again, saving the entirety of the world and not just the entirety of the world, but the entirety of time itself. And that he is celebrated by a group of creatures that when he first met he completely disregarded as just 
things to be carted aside for the sake of keeping the devil at bay. And that the thing that mourns him the most are these creatures that, thanks to him, now thrive in the galaxy. And I just, I, it felt like the perfect way to go. And yes, it was very bookendy to have Rose sort of be the last character we see before the doctor goes back into the TARDIS. But it was perfect. And I wouldn't first, have it any other way. First time I saw that, I was so. Oh. I was going to say the first time that I saw this episode, obviously when it was, when it aired was not expecting Rose. Mm-hmm. No. All the other ones kind of made sense. But when all of a sudden it was like Rose and Jackie, I went, you know, I, I lost it as well. Yeah. As soon as um, I heard yeah, those musical just, notes. Oh my God. I was, I was done. I was thinking about you. Cause I heard the music <laughs> and I was like, no way. And then you see the swirling snow and then you see them and you're like, Oh my God. And right. just from and, that and hug, you're like, okay, good night. <laughs> yeah, I think they thought she wasn't going to be able to come back because she was filming Secret Diary of a Call Girl, her TV show at that time. So this was a very tight, like, we got to get her in and out in an hour kind of mm-hmm. thing for filming. But it was just, you know me and, and my girl Rose. And I yeah. kept saying, I need closure and I need closure. And... It just, it was so perfect. And I kept, when all these people kept coming back, I thought, is she coming? Is is she going to be there? How is it going to work out since she's gone? How is he going to visit her? Oh, wait, he can go visit her in the past. Right. <laughs> she's still uh, there in the timeline. And that's a timeline right. that he hadn't crossed yet. So there's another, quote, there's another quote later with, with another doctor, but I feel like it applies here too. the first face this face saw. And the first face that the 10th Doctor saw was Rose. Mm-hmm. And now it's the last face. And that, that is the last face. But. I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go. I don't want to end. But we have to well, because. Hold on. I got one more thing. Oh, one okay. Thing. Okay. One more thing. Um, when uh, the Doctor left to get his reward, he had said to Will, you'll see me one more time. Mm. Uh, which we didn't talk about when he came back to, because uh, when you were first talking about how everything came back to the beginning, uh, he came back to see Donna during on her wedding day. So it was Donna mm-hmm. in the wedding dress, which was also the bookend yeah, of yeah. Donna in the wedding dress. Uh, that's what I thought you were going. When uh, Donna's mother, which I can never remember her name, and I'm done worry about him, Will came Sylvia. down. Sylvia, thank you. Came down to see him. And he said, um, that I don't, I don't carry any money. So mm. I, you know, went back in time yeah. and borrowed a quid from Jeffrey Noble. And that was a tribute to Howard Atfield, who was the actor who played yes. Donna's father, who died before her episodes, which is why they created Wilf as the grandfather, because they had Wilf in the episode of Voyage well, of the Dam. We, we saw him nice little, in the, the Runaway Bride. Mm-hmm. Right, he was there, but then he passed away mm-hmm. in real life before uh, before the series, uh, four. series four started. So, before, if I don't, uh, if I actually, if I remember correctly, it was uh, one of uh, Ashley's uh, tidbits for that series. They had either written and or possibly even shot a few scenes with him. They did, they, yeah. And, 
Yeah, uh, and then he passed away and they had to go back and redo mm-hmm. uh, everything with Wilfred. And look right. how important and, Wilf ended up being. Right. Like, but yeah, I, that, that moment I thought was a nice touch to homage, you know, a, a character actor from England that, you know, played uh, a small role in the universe as, as it goes to Doctor Who, but nevertheless a very big role in Donna's life and that, it, uh, you know, basically giving Donna a gift uh, the way that he was able to give Rose a gift when the doctor let her go back in time and meet her father. Right. So, yeah. Such a, again, perfect bookends to how things uh, unfolded throughout this entire series, not just uh, with the 10th doctor, but, you know, the ninth and 10th doctor together. Uh, the Russell T. Davies era. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But you also get um, just in, in the, in the saying goodbye to people you get, there's uh you can find it online if you look. I know you're not looking because you don't want to be spoiled on things. But there is definitely a group of people that are upset that um, that we never got a, a closure with Madame Pompadour. Um, oh. <laughs> Maybe because they might... had broken up by that point and he was dating. <laughs> right, he <laughs> was dating daughter. his own right. daughter. Right, exactly. Weird. But, yeah, but there, there, there is definitely a group online that is very upset that they didn't have a final scene with that. But Aww, either here or there. Sweet. But that would, be, yeah. Uh, you was, know what? You know, again, when you there's, had so many uh, different, there is a return now coming, and uh, there's been a lot of conversation with uh, with David Tennant, and he hasn't officially said no. You know, he's being very coy, and every time oh, he, yes, he, has. He, he speaks very eloquently of Russell T. Davies. So, and uh, he loves Doctor Who. Uh, well, he loves the daughter of Doctor Who, too. <laughs> yeah. Both literally and fictionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, he is my my absolute favorite Doctor. I think he's the most incredible actor. His years are my favorite years on the show. And I did not want him to go. I will put that. Like, he's my mm-hmm. favorite 100%. And when he regenerated into Matt Smith, like, I knew it was coming. But I felt that, like, the way I was last time. I was so mad that mm. this, like, man-child with long hair <laughs> was now taking over for this, like, you know, prestigious Shakespearean actor who's so wonderful. And I was like, oh, great, this little kid. <laughs> but by the end of by the end of his first episode, very much like the Christmas invasion, I was a hundred percent sold on him being the doctor. And I think you're really, really going to enjoy him. I think he's a wonderful actor. And you said you know him from the crown, but he is gonna tear at your heartstrings a lot too. Mm. So you're in for a good ride with Matt Smith. Well, and I said it before and I'll, and I'll say it again. I don't want to go. But I have to. <laughs> it's going to happen because uh, that's the way time works for us. It relentlessly relentlessly pushes us forward. And this time it pushes me into a new doctor, a new era. Muffet, here I go, I guess. Muffet! Muffet. <laughs> Muffet. So, uh, John, thank you so much for all that you have brought, uh, especially to these two episodes and of course, Ashley, as always, thank you for just 
bring in so much extra value uh, to every week. Uh, watching these episodes, I hear your voice in the back of my head uh, from many of the uh T- tidbits that you provide as I hear the voice of a lot of my uh, experts on the show because uh, gosh uh, there's so much to to look forward to and so much to go on that uh, as sad as this episode was like I said uh, I I was not upset when I saw Matt Smith and uh, how excited he is that he's crashing the TARDIS back on earth so I guess it's uh, that time where (laughs) I get to thank you, dear listener, for being a silent part of this uh, amazing journey that I've gone on so far. And hopefully you're going on, too, because, uh, as I said, I started uh, this episode or this podcast during the pandemic, uh, and I had no idea how much this character would uh, grow on me and it how it, it's become an intricate part of my life and a, a very important part of my life. And I look forward to watching the episodes every week. But most importantly, I look forward to talking to my friends who know so much more about it every week uh, because there's just so much depth behind this uh this (laughs) fandom uh and i love getting every bit of it so thank you dear listener for being a part of this journey uh if you want to uh support the show head on over to firsttimelord.com there you can leave comments on this episode or every episode that i've ever posted if you want to support the podcast we've got a merch store right on firsttimelord.com you can buy t-shirts and all sorts of neat stuff or if uh, merch is not your thing but you still want to support the show you can go on to uh, patreon or search for my name daniel levain on patreon and you can support the show that way but the most important way of all is share this episode with somebody like me who has never seen the show and you're trying to get them to watch it because it is amazing and i would love to grow this fandom even more but i am out of time this week and i guess well we have a new doctor to get to know see you next week everybody geronimo Alonzi. <laughs> Did you notice that was the last thing the 11th doctor said? Alonzi? No, he said Geronimo. No, Geronimo. Oh, yes. We have a new catchphrase on our hands. Oh.